Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today's episode is different. Uh, you get not one e-commerce podcast host, but two. I have my good friend, Austin Bronner on the show today. And this is a joint podcast, a fusion of the e-commerce evolution podcast and Austin's podcast, E-Commerce Influence. It was one of the first podcasts I was ever a guest on, believe it or not. And so we decided to do this podcast together. I interview him, he interviews me, and I think you'll find it to be a lot of fun. Now, a quick background on Austin. I first met Austin at an e-commerce event we both spoke at. I think it was about 2013. I think we were, we were it was Ezra Firestone's, one of his first events. And that's where we met each other. And then Austin and I had this dinner after Traffic and Conversion Summit one year. And it was like, it was a dinner that Austin put together. And it was kind of the who's who of cool e-commerce brands. The guys from Movement Watches were there. The guys from Pure Vita Bracelets were there. Uh, my buddy Chris Lynch from Everyday California was there. A couple of big agency people. It was really, it was, a, it was a ton of fun. Austin put it all together. It just shows you how connected he is in the e-commerce space. And so I do want to mention, you've got to listen to e-commerce influence. He interviews founders like the, the ones I just mentioned, and he's a brilliant podcast host, as you'll soon hear as we dive into this episode. And so we really cover a wide range of topics. We talk about privacy and iOS 14 and what that means for digital ads. We talk about creatives and what my approach is to crafting great video ads. We talk about things like subscriptions and e-commerce business models that we're excited about and where do we see things headed in the e-commerce world. And so I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed recording it. And so with that, let's dive right in and listen to this joint podcast with Austin Bronner from e-commerce Influence. Brett, excited to uh, to chat with you, man. It's been it's been quite some time. We were just reminiscing. I think the last time we saw each other in person was probably at Traffic and Conversion Summit, like years ago, with dinner yeah. with Steve and Drew. Was that it? Was it the last I, time? I think so. Yeah. So in in person, it's been years. It's been it's been too long virtually as well for podcasts and stuff. I know we we send people to each other. We're like, hey, you need to talk to Austin for this, or you send people to me, but. It's been entirely too long, so I'm really glad we're doing this right now. Yeah, yeah, man, it's a, it's it's definitely exciting, and yeah, lots of lots of ch lots has changed. This episode today, we wanted to hop on and connect and do a joint episode where we talk a little bit about some of the exciting things that are happening in e-commerce related to privacy. And I say exciting because they're exciting for some people and not for Terrifying others. <laughs> and, and, and nerve wracking and anxiety inducing and but but also interesting. And I and I think it it'll be one of those moments, you know, some watershed moment or whatever you want to call it, where it, it likely will create some some true winners and, and losers and it's gonna be interesting for sure. So yeah, so we're gonna cover talk about that and we'll talk about also what we're excited about, things that we're seeing happening and I know general kind of trends and what's going on. It's a good time to to catch up and dive into that. So I'll I'll I wanna start by turning it over to you because you are in the ad buying world a little bit more than I am, like on the front lines of the ad buying world. What is going on with some of the privacy changes? What are things that people need to know about? Uh, there's, uh, I have a little hesitation because there's a lot of 
talk about this, but, and we can get really nerdy, but <laughs> overall, like yeah. what, what is going on and what do you see is, what should people care about right now as we see all these privacy changes? Yeah, it's such, it's such a good question. And I, th- I think, you know, the, the, the strongest word to use right now is uncertainty, right? We just, we don't know exactly what's going to happen or how this is going to play out. And, and we hear, you know, all types of plans that the different platforms have. And you got Facebook throwing up their arms and saying, hey, this is, this is going to be unfair. All of the, all the, the privacy changes from iOS 14 and, and things like that. Google's announcing different things they're going to be testing and experimenting to try to, you know, get around some of these privacy things. You know, they announced no more cookies starting next year. So we're moving away from cookie-based targeting altogether. And so it's really interesting times. And, and just to give a little context, I'm a, I'm a Google and YouTube guy. So we do some Facebook, but I don't really get into Facebook. So I can't speak personally with too much expertise there. We do a lot on the Amazon side as well. But, you know, Google's experimenting with things like, I don't know, Austin, have you heard of Flock? Have you heard of uh, Google? This will be slightly nerdy, but just a little bit, like not enough to put anyone to sleep, but slightly nerdy. So as Google's moving away from cookies and targeting individuals, they're talking about how to target groups of people where, you know, identities are private and cloaked and stuff. So Flock, and it's an acronym, and I think it's an acronym that I, I think they thought of the acronym first and then tried to fill in the meaning. Sounds it, like they definitely did that. Yeah, because it's Federated Learning of Cohorts. I'm like, okay, that's that's interesting. But basically what they're, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, instead of, you know, targeting individuals and, you know, based on behavior, based on search behavior, based on websites they visit, things like that, we're just going to put people into these flocks or these groups based on behavior, but it'll all be anonymized and stuff. Anyway, so Google is saying, hey, early tests show the performance of flock is 95% as good as what we're doing now. But then you hear from browsers like Firefox and, and Microsoft Edge and a few others that are saying, yeah, we're probably not going to implement that. We're not going to use the flock technology. So then like that technology would just be available on, on Chrome as an example. So I, I think the, the bottom line is there's, there's just uncertainty. And, and the way, you know, there's kind of been this trend where marketers have been able to give more and more control to the algorithms and to machine learning and, and like just you know let, let, let the machine, let Google, let, let Facebook decide what to do. We may see a decent pivot away from that, at least for a time and at least to a certain degree, where maybe like old school marketing comes back into vogue, right? Or maybe some of the, the old ways of targeting become more valuable, you know, where, where it's about all about building an email list and where it's about, it's more about the creative than it is anything else. And so, so yeah, I think, I think uncertainty really, really captures it. And then we may see a renaissance of sorts in, in some forms of advertising. We can unpack a lot more there, but that's just kind of a, a general first thought. I'm excited to dive into all of those things. I want to go just to the privacy side, yeah. um, where like you said at the beginning, like they're making changes. Like, where are they making changes? Like, at what level? And what, at least, what are you familiar with? What are some of the, like, the big, like, I guess, top-level changes that are, that are being made? Yeah. So, so right now, you know, if you look at Google search and Google shopping, so, you know, query-based marketing, search-based marketing, I don't think that's going to change a whole lot. We're not seeing any changes right now. You know, we're, we're talking to our Google reps 
you know, every couple of weeks about this and trying to stay up to date and stuff. Not seeing any changes there. Not really seeing any changes on, on uh, YouTube just yet. Although you and I were talking like the day of this recording, we're seeing some volatility, especially hearing some Facebook advertisers, some volatility right now. So, uh, you know, some of the audiences we've relied on in the past. So I'll talk about a couple of my favorite audiences on the Google side. One is called Custom Intent, or that was kind of the original audience name. That's where you can build a group of people based on what they're searching for on Google. So that, that's a pretty cool signal to use, right? What you're searching for on Google is a pretty good signal of what you're interested in and you know, whether you're in the market for something or le- looking for a solution or whatnot. So those audiences... Like size, size 12 Nike Airs. It's like... Yeah. You know yeah, that's exactly. what's yeah. <laughs> right. So, or we uh, like another example, and I'll just I'll pick one here. We we have a client that has a, a a solution for kids who hate to brush their teeth, which uh, is you know also you know, I've got I've got eight kids, so I've got quite a bit of experience in this in this environment. That sometimes you have to you have to bribe, <laughs> you have to threaten, you have to you know do hostage negotiations, whatever to get to get kids to brush their teeth. So anyway, the 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 this client of ours, they have a product that, that's really easy to brush your teeth, kind of fun. It's like animals. And anyway, so we started like t- doing some toothbrush targeting, right? People looking for toothbrushes that didn't work. So then we started looking at what about people who are just saying, how do I get my kid to brush their teeth? <laughs> like, wh- what do I do when my kid refuses to brush their teeth? So th- that kind of Google keyword and it's crushing it. And so it's like, all right, you can get creative with what people are searching for. So, yeah. so far those audiences still exist and they still work. Yeah. But that's like we don't know. Google is kind of indicating, yeah, 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 those audiences will still exist, but they're going to be, you know, powered by Flock or, or whatever. So, which so, may not be adopted, which makes it the, the chance that could go away. Exactly. So that's just that's the thing. It's it's it really targeting is going to change, and attribution is going to change, right? Where and I know you and I could talk about attribution for a long time, and it's. It's a bit of a black box and kind of a gray area, and every marketer has a different opinion on on how to properly work your your attribution modeling. But this that's like going to get messier and harder. So so I think yeah, audience targeting and attribution are kind of the, the two biggest areas that, that are going to change. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I see a lot of where we're going. You talked about like old school marketing, and, and I think everybody has, people have different ideas of what old school marketing is, depending on how old they are and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I, I think what's what, what we're gonna see is with all this stuff I'm uh, for, I'm frankly I'm not that concerned I think uh, it's gonna be more of a pain for I think it's gonna cause more disruption for advertising agencies and freelancers than it is actually for business owners because it'll change the way that things need to be done and with that shifting, it's going to involve, I don't know, like I think the uncertainty is how we're going to get from point A to point B, not necessarily whether or not we're going to get to point B and point B meaning somebody making a purchase. Like people are still going to be buying things and advertising is still going to be effective. It's more like how on earth are we going to, we've gotten used to doing things a certain way. Now it's going to change. And so, so as an agency and I'm very interested in your, in your perspective, how do you think it'll it'll impact agencies? I, I believe, I agree with you by the way. I think you're right, but in what ways? I think the uncertainty is more of a challenge for the agency than it is for the business owner because so the reason I, the reason I think that is that 
the way like systems, like as you build an agency and you get larger and you've got all these systems yeah. to do things, yeah. you train people and that there's just going to be more people involved with yeah. having to shift and adjust with that. Yeah. When your SOPs um, all change, like this is the way we've always done YouTube and now it's got to shift. If you're a nimble agency, great. If it's, if it's not very nimble, yeah, it's trouble. And it, it'll be more like internal. I think there, there's benefits in downsides as well because you're also going to then ha- get an opportunity to go through and like revisit how you're doing things mm-hmm. which can be really helpful and can can lead to making some some uh, improvements okay. but but yeah that's where, that's where I see some of the like uncertainty volatility happening and it can be challenging in, in that space I think it's going to be interesting for business owners because they're going to have to figure it out and I think when you say old school, in my, in my view, it's going to be back towards like we're spoiled. Oh man. The fact that we can like say, Oh, I spent a thousand dollars and I made $2,211, even though that attribution is artificial. It's not, it's not perfect. It makes us feel good. Definitely not perfect. Yeah. Yes. It's not perfect, but it makes us feel really good. Yeah. Yeah. It makes us feel really good. Oh, I'm putting this amount in and I'm getting this amount back out. Where fifty years ago, that wasn't we weren't even thinking about that at all. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or just to go back a little bit, and I'll, I'll date myself a little bit. I'm not that old of a guy. I do have a lot more gray in my beard than you do, Austin. <laughs> uh, my, my, your beard has stayed the same. My, my beard has really gotten a lot grayer since the first time we did a podcast. Uh, maybe it's the kids, or I don't know. But or or a growing agency. It's the privacy changes. The privacy yeah, changes. Yeah, <laughs> people on a team. Exactly. I, I love them, but yes. Um, so you know, back in the early 2000s, I was doing radio and TV and some other stuff. So I was working like all with local type, but local regional businesses and running TV and radio ads and stuff. And and you know, we could we could tell that the business owner could tell when the phone rang more. They could tell when more people came in the store. But attribution was a mess, right? We'd have people, you know, we'd be running radio and direct mail and people would come in and say, oh yeah, I saw your TV ad. Like, we're not not running TV. I don't know how you saw a TV ad, you know? So like that was really imperfect attribution. So now even the tools we have, we are spoiled because even if they're not exact, they're directionally correct, right? It's at least it's at least indicating there's some impact from these campaigns and from these messages, where before it was it was substantially harder. I, I think uh, back to the old school style, right? Like you you see, so one of the things I I really think is great and has been a relatively new in the last couple of years innovation is just going to surveys, mm. uh, post purchase surveys yeah. at the end of like a checkout. Right, it's kind of stand. It's like if you you can build your own attribution model based on what's happening from a survey. You can look at your different. Actually, we were having a call last night for uh, Intentional Wealth, which is my mastermind group. One of the guys was talking about how he's like, I spent forty five hours looking at attribution over the last two weeks, and <laughs> and we were all kind of yeah, laughing. Sounds, I was like, that sounds really fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all kind of. He was joking around, you know, but he was like. And he's like, what I realized, I'm just trying to find my own model. He's like, the reason I spend so much time is I'm looking at all the models to create my own model and one that I can go forward with. And I, you know, I recognize that everyone's putting their thumb on the scale a little bit. And so yeah. we'll figure out like what works for me. Yeah. Yeah. One, one interesting thing I'll, I'll say about attribution is, uh, you know, we were, we're a Google premier partner. So top couple percent of, of Google agencies and, and been invited to, 
Google Marketing Live. It's an agency event that, that Google hosts every year and used to do that live, you know, uh, in person. And I remember it was maybe five years ago, something like that. Google announced I was at the, I was at the New York Google offices and they announced Google Attribution. And they were like, this is going to be it. It's going to tie in. It'll use machine learning. It'll look at Google Analytics. It'll look at your ad accounts. And it will use machine learning to look at, you know, conversion paths. So, hey, you know, Austin bought from the website and he clicked on a Facebook ad first and then a Google ad and then organic search and then this. And we'll, we're going to combine those and look at those and use machine learning and say, here's what you should attribute to each platform, right? So it was like, everybody's excited. I was geeking out. I was telling everybody about it. But nothing really happened. Then like the next year, Google, at the next Google Marketing Live, Google's like, yeah, attribution. Okay, it's a little harder, but like we're, we're working on it. It's coming. <laughs> and then nothing. And then like the third year, I'm like, what happened to Google attribution? And someone said, well, there's a dude at a small booth back here who's the Google attribution guy. And it's like it just it kind of faded. Like it went away. I think it sort of still exists. But so if you got like the smartest people at Google working on Google attribution and they still don't have a real good solution. And, and I know there's other third-party solutions and stuff that kind of help you try to get closer. But just I think that just underscores it's not an easy problem to untangle. It's not, a, even with machine learning and, and stuff, it's, it's pretty challenging. So I think if you can, and, and one, of, one of my favorite quotes on the, the topic comes from uh, Avinash Kaushik. He was the, the um, Google Analytics evangelist. He's written books and fantastic guy to listen to. But he said, your goal is to be less wrong, right? Just, just work on being less wrong because you're never going to be exactly right. And I, I just, I like that perspective. I like it. Until we're all microchipped and we're uh, tra- <laughs> transacting yeah. but via like where are our eyeballs look at what we look at. Right, right. And ele- that'll be perfect attribution. Google Homes listening everything in our eyes are being tracked. Until that comes, which probably isn't too far away. Exactly. <laughs> we're just flesh pockets who transact. That's <laughs> It's a really encouraging future we're talking about here. I'm, I'm really excited about where this is going. Oh, oh man. Uh, well, so outside of the privacy stuff, what else are you excited about? What are you seeing that's been cool that's kind of making you say like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with, and this is kind of top of mind because, you know, I, I get to, so I'm the CEO of the company, so I'm, I'm building a team and, and running things and I'm also still managing or not managing, I'm in some client accounts and so looking at stuff like that too. But I, I mentioned this earlier, I believe the creative side is going to be more and more important, right? What you say is so valuable. And I remember, and again, again, we're tying this back to old school, tying it back to, to, to the old days. But I just remember, you know, like a, a good TV ad or a good radio ad versus a mediocre one and, and just the, the, the huge response difference. And so I think there's going to be a lot more dependency on, on good creatives. And so that's something we're, we're kind of doubling down on. We're, we're finding good videographers and good script writers and kind of pulling them together to, to work on creative projects. And, and so I'm super excited about that. And, and I still think there's going to be ways to test and improve on the creative side, even if some of our audience targeting and audience measuring things go away. And so, so I, I kind of like that. I was a, I used to like infomercials as a kid, which is really weird. Like I enjoyed watching um, the Ginsu knife commercials and some other nerdy stuff like that. And so I, I really get into the the creative side of it. And I think that's that's going to come, be coming back. So that that's the first thing that comes to mind. And I've, I've got more, so I'll get into that. But but what, like, what about you? What are you what are you excited about right now? I have, I have some stuff, but I want to I want to ask you some more about the creative oh, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. the thing that came up for me was. 
the, the unique perspective you've got with a large agency of how do you how do you pump out creative? Like, what are the systems? What are the things that you guys do that people can can like learn from? Yeah, right. Like, because it's hard. It's it's not. I, I think a lot of times people talk about like, you know just have like better creative. That's freaking hard. It, it is. It is really hard. And it's hard to do it over and over and over and again, like new. and So yeah, what, what have you learned about pumping out good creative? Yeah, I, I think a couple of things. And one of my favorite books that I'll, that I'll recommend is, is called Made to Stick. Have you ever read that? Chip and Dave. I haven't read it. Got to check it out. So, so one of the things that they do a really good job of talking about and, and highlighting is that the creativity can be formulaic and, and good communication can be formulaic. And so there's a study they reference in the book where they say they took like the most successful ad campaigns in recent decades and they realized we can classify all of these campaigns into like six or seven different categories. They all kind of follow a similar pattern. Then they looked at a whole bunch of ad campaigns that just flopped and they said, we can't really categorize any of these. They're, they're, all, they're all bad for unique reasons, right? But, but, yeah. but good ads can be formulaic. Not that you want to be just a me too or you want to just duplicate you know, what Squatty Potty is doing or something or what you know, a big YouTube or Facebook advertiser is doing, but you can learn from formulas. And so I think that is one of those things that can kind of free you up a little bit. And so actually yeah. I put together a free resource where we pulled in like our favorite YouTube ads and kind of categorized them and broke them down and how they work and stuff. It's a, it's a free guide. It's on, it's on our site at omgcommerce.com. So, so check that out. But one of the things that I would say is, is really, if you kind of break it down and think about, I'm not reinventing my message, right? My core, if I kind of have like, what is my one thing? What is the, what is the thing I want to be known for? And then what are kind of like the supporting elements that go with that? So like Geico is say 15% on, on car insurance, you know, 15 minutes saves you 15% or more on car insurance. But they have lots of other little benefits too. Like they're really high in customer satisfaction and they have all these other things. So they've got yeah. the one thing and then they've got their supporting cast. So that doesn't really change, right? So if you keep, if you keep in mind, like I don't have to reinvent that, I, those things stay constant. I just need to think of a fresh way to say it. And, and really, we kind of break it down on a, on a few things. Like let's test different hooks. So what are, what are the... We, we know we want to lead with our strongest benefit. We know we want to lead with our one thing, but how do we lead with it? So let's throw out a bunch of hook ideas. Let's, let's test 10, 15, 20 different hooks. Okay, what is, our, what is our offer? Well, let's test, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 different offers. And then kind of in the middle, as we're looking at like the problem solution presentation or the proof elements, you know, some of those things, the, the myth busting, maybe we test a few elements there too. So it's like if you, if you create a formula, you kind of break it down, then it, it, it can sort of become fun. And I, I know I say that because I'm, I'm a, you know, a geek that likes ads, but I think it can be fun for other people too. And, and also when you realize you don't need that many home runs and you really don't need, even need uh, very many home runs at all. Like it, doubles and singles are, are great too. And so I think, I think those are important. And then the other piece is I think relying on your customers. Like let, let your customers feed you with new content. So, so getting testimonials and you can do that remotely, you know, mining your, your product reviews and your, your, your uh, customer support tickets and things like that, mining that for content, for headlines, for, for hooks, for, you know, uh, objection busting, things like that. Let your customers do some of the work too. I think that helps a ton. Yeah. Makes it, it's one of those things that makes it 
easier and more effective. A win-win. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the most effective thing you could ever do is just repeat something a customer says to you. It's like, wow, I, that, that didn't take any creativity. And that's another thing, and, I, and I, Chip and Dan Heath, the author of that book, should, should pay me uh, you know, some of their royalties because I, I recommend it so much. But that's one thing they talk about too is like sometimes creativity is just spotting the idea. So one of the examples in the book was, uh, remember the Jared Subway, Jared, the guy that went on the Subway diet, you know, and, and, and yep. he fell off the wagon and that, that, that kind oh, of Oh, he fell it. off the wagon quite hard. <laughs> it was ugly. <laughs> so like, so forget about that part. But like for this, there, was a, there was a number of years where that was a beautiful, beautiful campaign. And it's like, hey, the person that did that just spotted the idea. They're like, oh, there's something here. I'm going to run with yeah. it and I'm going to make something huge out of it. And they did. And sometimes that's all we need to do. We don't need to maybe necessarily manufacture a creative idea. We just need to spot it and then know how to exploit it. You need to spot it, use it, and then get rid of it before it ends up in prison. <laughs> yeah. Before like the person goes to jail or whatever happened. I don't even remember what happened, but it was bad. I think you went to jail. Yeah. I think you went to jail. That, that's, that's, that's really interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I was just interviewing Val Geisler. She is the customer evangelist at Clavio, but she's been a copywriter, freelancer, ran an email agency. And she was talking about one of the things she loves doing is customer research and she throws out a, so when she starts, when she would start working with clients, she would email like 800 clients, a survey. And on that survey have a checkbox that also said, would you be interested in the cut? Would, you know, would you be interested in being interviewed if we select you? So since that's 800 or a thousand people gets back a hundred or 200 results filters through finds the best ones and then if the ones that are selected for an interview will actually dive in and it's to your point it's just selecting yeah yeah the idea because yep. it's coming to you and she said she's not she's like, she it was a great saying it's she should just i don't know who said it to her to her if she or if she came up with it she's like i'm not a copywriter i'm a copy paster copy paste. <laughs> I love I'm it. I'm a copy paste. It's, it's so true, though. And like one, just one other quick example. We worked with an automotive brand that, that just crushed it on YouTube and other platforms, and and we had an ad that just scaled like crazy for for over a year, and it was entirely a mashup of user generated content. So we, we added text. We 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 strung it together. We had an awesome editor. I say we. Uh, I gave advice that they had their own editor, but um, uh, it crushed it. And it was it was entirely UGC with just a little bit of editing and, and some stuff to it. And that's still the case. Like I, th- I don't see that going away anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, we're, we're in a unique time where it's easy to pull from, from our customers. Yeah. Yeah. Way easier now than ever before. For sure. Don't need a focus group. <laughs> no, no. I think, I think what I'm interested in right now, a couple things. One is, one is just continuing to go down the path of subscription and adding subscription. I think the thing that's interesting to me more these days is less like marketing tactics and more business model. Mm-hmm. I love this. And, and, I love and focusing, focusing more and more on like, okay, what, what's it, where's the underlying business model? Like what are some things we can change to make this more effective and make it, Build it in a way that allows the company to grow faster without taking as many resources and also allows you to outcompete your customers just based on your business model. 
I think one of the things that's been most interesting to me over the last like year or two that I'll, sh- that I'll share is I had a, a guy on our pod, on my podcast, we were talking, he sells marijuana growing, commercial grade marijuana growing equipment. And B2B or like to, to people that are just B2, doing that? Right B2B, now, right? B2B. <laughs> yeah. Mostly B2B. There's some, I think B2C, but it's primarily B2B yeah. type thing. And these are very expensive and you can't advertise them. Right. Um, you can't advertise anything and, BBD. It's certainly not anything marijuana, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was like, okay, well, I got to get creative here on how I can get traffic. And one of the things that he did is he told me, he was like, yeah, when I was talking about the podcast, he's like, he's like I, I have negative customer acquisition costs. It's like, okay, how does that work? <laughs> but what he did was he went out and he connected with all of these huge grow operations. So these are like big, big grow farms in California and I don't know wherever else they are. And they said they would, he was like, I pitched them to film like a Cribs episode at their grow operation. They paid him to do it. They, he put it on YouTube and made his Cribs channel. It got millions and millions of views. <laughs> and then he linked to sell his products directly in the comments. So he has negative customer acquisition costs, which I think is pretty darn cool. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I, and so a couple of quick questions there. First of all, I love this. And uh, you and I, I think when we, when we did our first podcast, we both talked about the fact that we were like Jay Abraham students from way back in the day. Yes. He's an old school marketer, but he talks about, you know, the three ways to grow a business and he talks about business model and stuff too. And I think this is so interesting. So I've got a couple of thoughts here and a couple of questions for you. One, are you finding, so I love subscriptions as a consumer. I end up subscribing to probably too many things, but I like the convenience yeah. of it. Um, and then my buddy, our mutual friend, Ezra Firestone, you know, he runs Boom by Cindy Joseph, and, and we do all the, the Google and YouTube ads for Boom. Um, people in his market actually hate subscriptions. They had to just, they just took it off because people, he said people would call after they made a one-time purchase and just say, hey, I'm just making sure I'm, I'm not on a subscription here. Are, are you seeing, is it like millennials and Gen Xers are really more into subscriptions? Are you seeing any, any trends like that? Or is it, is it? more across the board. I think it has more to do with the product yeah. and the creativity yeah. related to the subscription that makes a lot than, than like anything else. And also like the, I think the messaging around it as well is, is incredibly important. What, yeah. One of the things I've worked with some clients around it's, and had a lot of success is revamping messaging around their subscription, trying to figure out like, I think it's, I think, I think a lot of people don't put enough effort into making their subscription work or worthwhile for a product that may actually have some success on a subscription. I think one of the reasons I have a, maybe a, a unique perspective is I've worked with a lot of different a lot of different clients. And when you see a subscription working really, really well for a product that you wouldn't expect it to work well for, and then you realize why, it's because they put so much time and energy into it. Then you can take that and you can transfer that over to, to another business who may not have the same frame of reference where they don't realize, oh, well, the reason it works well over there is not just because people like subscriptions because they're very deliberate about like risk reversal. They're very deliberate about telling people, addressing any of the challenges in someone's head hmm. about why they, you know, the biggest reason people don't want to subscribe to something is because they're afraid they're going to get caught on a subscription and won't be able to easily cancel. So, right. so right. you need to address that. Right. And 
I think it's, it's interesting to me because it allows for you to compete on these paid social channels or on YouTube yeah. or in advertising yeah. because you're going to have something that your competitor might not have, which is recurring revenue. The other side of it, it's, it's a much more pleasant way to grow a business yeah. when you have, when you know generally a good percentage of the sales you're going to make the next, the next month. And I've been on both sides. I've been on both sides where, you know, my business now is primarily driven by recurring revenue. Yep. And I sleep a lot better than yep. I did when my business was primarily driven by events or one-time sales. Yeah, I love that predictability. It, it is it is amazing for sure. Can you? I'm just curious. Can you give an example? So you talk about some businesses or products you might not think about being applicable for subscriptions. Can you think of some interesting ones that you can share? Yeah. So things that one of the one of them that's very interesting is Verb energy bars. Okay. Have you seen those? No, no. Sounds cool though. Okay. So they have a a verb, like with the VR. Yeah. Verb verb. I believe it's called verb. Let me look it up. Yeah. Verb energy bars. Yeah. So they have a trial to continuity model, which is very interesting. So it's a starter kit where you get an initial offer of like four bars that's like very, it's basically like free plus shipping type thing. And then it recurs into a subscription and they manage the entire thing via text message. Nice. So you, so you can cancel text via text message. anytime you want. You can cancel via text anytime you want. And they also, so like the communication is very clear via text, like what you're, what you're signing up for. You actually, it's like the, t- the sign up for text is a huge part of the checkout process. Mm. Where it's like you need to select enter your phone number, and it's very clear. Like we're going to be texting you about, you know, this is the initial offer, and then we'll be texting you in this many days to let you know, and you could decide at that time whether or not you want to have a subscription. So that's really interesting. Very easy to say yes to, and then if the product delivers, the product is good. Then it's easy to, to keep saying yes. Exactly. They they made all these things stack so it's easy for you to say yes. And that's the first step, right? Is get the product in your hand, especially with something like an energy bar. Yeah. First of all, it's just weird. It's caffeine in a bar. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not something that you can yeah. determine if you know that you want it before you try it. Right. So yeah. they're breaking down some of those things. Other interesting products. Well, I think that there is um I was just interviewing John Warlow. You know John Warlow. He wrote the book John. "Built mm-hmm. Built to Sell." You might have heard "Built to Red Built to Sell" or yep. "The Automatic yep. Customer" or "The Art of Selling Your Business." And the automatic customer is interesting because he talks a lot about the different ways that you can build a subscription business in. And there's there's like one of them is replenishable, right? Which everyone thinks of, like oh, subscribe to razors or something like that or coffee. The other one is like a Curation, where you curate some sort of a box. Yeah. Uh, then there's like, like, like the a prime fix type of thing, blue apron. Stitch fix, exactly. Um, yep. And then there's also interesting things you can do with a like benefits. So this was an interesting one. I didn't even know I signed up for it. I don't know. I, I think this is a little bit slimy, but it worked 
extremely well. I bought my dad something, a sweater from Hamaker Slemmer. Okay. Do you know Hamaker? No. It's been around for a long sounds, time. Sounds, yeah. Very distinguished. Hundred, hundred year old brand or something like right. that. And Did dad adequately appreciate this gift or, or what was his reaction? Yes. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. He, yeah, it was, I knew it knew it's what he wanted. I knew it was like this nice sweater. So I get it. And they gave me a, like a refund on my shipping to, sign up for their rewards program, which happened to be $11 a month. So rebilling. And so it was like their version of their own personal version of, Am- of Amazon Prime, yeah. kind of. Okay. okay. But it was interesting. I was signed well, up for that for like- What would $11 a month do? Like, what do, you, what do you get from that? It gave me discounts okay. for the future. So I would get automatic, uh, enrolled for automatic discounts. And again, it's, some of the, it's one of those things that people buy a lot from them. Yeah. I think- a, they, they're one of those companies. It's like it's a catalog business. That people can buy a ton from, yeah. so it can be worth your time, worth your energy. But they also know they're getting that eleven dollars, and it's at a price point where you're not generally going to cancel. Yeah. That was interesting to me. I, I love it. And think about the psychology of Amazon Prime or any subscription model, where you know with Amazon Prime. That makes people absolutely think Amazon first for for any purchase, right? And and yes. so the sweater company is doing the same thing for apparel, right? It makes me think if I want a new sweater, cardigan, blade, whatever they sell, I'm going to look there. I'm going to look there first. There's also this interesting thing too about. Have you heard of a, a reticular activator? Have you heard that term before in marketing? I, I've heard it, but I don't know what it means. Okay, so it's like if you start shopping for, uh, and I just bought a truck recently, so this is fresh on my mind. But if you start shopping for a particular vehicle you'll suddenly start noticing those vehicles everywhere, right? So you're looking for a forerunner or something, you'll start seeing forerunners all the time. It's like, well, where do these come from? Well, they've always been there, but your your brain is always scanning for things that are are familiar or uh, also your name. Your name is like a a reticular activator. So you may be in a a room where there's lots and lots of noise and you hear Austin, you're like, oh, I heard my name. It's a reticular activator. So there's something also then once you purchase something and you're no longer thinking about it, now you stop noticing it, right? So, so I just recently did a coffee subscription with this company called Onyx Coffee out of Northwest Arkansas. They're one of the best that I've ever had. Yep. And so now, like, I'm, I'm hooked on this. Co- it's fantastic. So I find I'm not thinking about or paying attention to, to coffee as much. Whereas if I was paying attention or I was thinking about, man, I really would like good coffee, I would probably be even subconsciously be on the lookout for coffee. Now that need is taken care of, so I don't, I don't think about it. So it's, it's interesting just the power of, of subscription to, to even keep someone away from your competitors because they'll probably stop, stop seeing it, stop thinking about it if they're on a subscription and if they're well taken care of. Yeah, it's, it's super powerful. It also leads to larger valuations yeah, if you're looking yeah. to sell your business down the road. Yeah. Speaking of coffee, Brett, 20 days, no caffeine. No way. 20 days. Now, if I'm it's not longest... mistaken, have you tried this? You've gone down this path before. Many times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you feel, though? Uh, I, feel, I feel great at first week or so. <laughs> I, it's funny. is I don't even drink that much coffee. I just always like have one cup of coffee. I, like I'm addicted to one cup. Okay. Every single day, yeah. And I was yeah. like, I don't want to be addicted to something. I don't want to like, yeah. you know. I love it. So, love so it. no coffee subscriptions for me right now. Okay, so Good, it's man. definitely been on my mind mm. though. When you were talking about the reticular activation, when I, I think I had some sort of activation for the first week of like seeing coffee everywhere, you're seeing coffee everywhere. Like, where's all this coffee yeah. coming from? Yeah, 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 exactly. Smelling it in my sleep. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Oh man, well, good, yeah. good for you, dude. That's some serious willpower. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think even even if you know, and I'm a big coffee fan, so I'll probably never give it up fully. But even if you go like little, little cleanses, right, like little purges to, to try to <laughs> slow down that addiction, would would probably be good. <laughs> For, for sure. Yeah. No, the, the valuation thing is very interesting to me. I look at it and I'm like, okay, what can you do right now to start engineering a sale of your yeah. business in the future that's at a higher valuation? And it's, those are, those are the things that I'm, that I'm interested in. It's like, can you, one, it's like adding subscriptions, a great way to do that. Um, and being creative around that. The other side is, hiring and building an incredible like management team that can run the business without you there yeah. so that you yeah. have a larger valuation and also in that time you know a, a better existence when you run your business those are interesting and then on the marketing side of things yeah just like creating better offers. The reason I, asked, I was asking you so many questions about creative is creative is super interesting. It's freaking hard. It's so hard it, it, it is to hard. do well. It, it is so hard. And, and yeah, the, the offer that you make is, is super important. You know, what, what are you, how are you enticing that, that first customer? I love the example you gave of the, both the energy bar company and the sweater company. Super interesting. I think, I think that's another thing too, where we, again, we've gotten spoiled by, hyper-targeting and, and algorithms that help us optimize our ads where maybe just kind of a lame offer does good enough, right? And so we're, we're able to be sort of lazy in our, in our marketing, but the, the machine, so to speak, helps us out. And, and I think that's potentially shifting. So now we got we to be really creative with our offers and with our, with our messaging. But it's, it's sort of fun too. It is. It is. What What are you thinking about as an agency owner right now? What's What's on your mind? What What's the thing that like keeps you up at night that people may not think about? Mm, that's good. So, I mean, it is. It is. It is the the privacy to- topic. Definitely is top of mind. I think. I think one of the things that that I'm thinking about a lot, and this applies to all of e-commerce and certainly agencies is just how fast things shift, right? And, and so we, we have, a, we have a, a good part of our agency is, is based on Amazon, right? So we run Amazon ads, we yeah. do some Amazon consulting, and it's, it's exploding. But it, it's so interesting how quick things shift in the Amazon world and how, you know, what people want there and, and or like new software releases, how quickly that can change things. And so my thing is just trying to think, trying to think about what are the elements that are never going to change so we can really be good at, at those. And then how can I listen better, you know, pay attention to customers better so that then the, the things that do change, we, we can pivot, you know, pretty quickly. But, but one of the things, just to give an example, and this, this may be a little bit boring, but, you know, on the Amazon side, it, it used to be in the past, there'd be several people that would come to us and say, hey, we need someone to manage the entire Amazon channel for us. We don't want to touch it. There'd be a few of those, but there are a lot of people that just said, hey, we just need help with ads. And now it seems like a lot of people say, we don't want to touch Amazon. Could you please just manage all of it? And, and so that, that's really shifted recently. So, so anyway, I, I, think, I think that's it is like just the speed of change and trying to not let that drive you insane. And so doubling down on the things you know won't change and then, and then really getting good at, at listening and not, and not holding too tightly to anything so that you can pivot quickly. So I know some of that's a little bit general, but 
but that, that's kind of where my head's at. It's interesting. What about from, I mean, you have a much larger team now than you did four years ago, or I think the last three, four years ago when I saw you. Yeah. Uh, yeah how the, have you changed? Yeah. How, how has your role changed? And like, what do you as a leader think about these days? Yeah. It's so interesting. I love that question. This, my head is here a lot more than it is uh, other places, even you know, new technology and stuff. It's like, how, how, do, how do I need to show up? How, do, how does my role need to shift as CEO? Because we've got a great operator. We've got an awesome COO. Sarah Still is her name. She just crushes it in terms of like the day-to-day management of the team and process implementation. You know, I used to be kind of the guy when it came to like uh, some employee-related things or even some campaign-related things. Now it's more about how am I building my team? How am I regularly meeting with my top specialists and giving them ideas and, and inspiring them and helping them work through problems, but really helping them become the star, right? And, and I used to definitely think if a client relationship is going to be successful, I've got to be heavily involved. And I no longer think that. I remember I was at a, I was at a client meeting in Denver with a shoe company. You would actually know the owner, but I, I went because I always go to client meetings and I was sitting around the table and I had like five of my team members there. And I realized about 30 minutes in, I was like, I don't even need to be here. Uh, <laughs> not because I don't want to be, but just like, to, you know, a couple of the people on my team were just t- t- explaining things so well. I'm like, I, I can just go grab coffee or, or you know, uh, pizza or something. This is good. And so I think it's about how do I bring out the best and the people around me? That's what I'm thinking about. So, so how do I cast vision? How do I look ahead and think, you know, where's the industry going? Where are agencies going? And then how do I just, you know, bring out the best in my people? And it's, it's really fun. I actually got roped into coaching basketball. I can't remember if I mentioned this. I think we talked about basketball because I know you're a basketball guy. You, you, you blew out your Achilles. I remember that. <laughs> so I got roped into coaching uh, yeah. high school basketball. And it was crazy stressful. And it was not a good idea when you have a big family and a business and coaching basketball. But it really taught me, like, okay, you, I can't, like, step on the floor to go do something, right? I've got to – how do I bring yeah. out the best of these people? And it was really a – trial by fire. And it was, and I learned a lot, but I think there's a lot of correlations between coaching and being a COO. It's like our CEO, it's, it's like, how do I bring out the best in these, in the people and how do I create scenarios where they shine? So, so yeah, that, that's, that's where my head is at most of the time right now. So that's, yeah. that's cool. I like, I like that. I had a uh, Josh snow, yeah. head of snow yeah, 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 on yeah. the podcast. And he was talking about, he was like, I want to attract like the LeBron Jameses of mm. business. Yeah. It's like in my role, it's like I got to make sure that the gym is like good enough for them <laughs> and that they can come in and like work in there that they won't like, maybe it's not perfect, but like when they show up, they're not like, oh man, this is, this is not up to speed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. How do we create an environment where the brilliance of our people can shine? Right. And, and, and I was reading this thing recently where Jeff Bezos, uh, according to the author of this book, it's called um, uh, Always Day One. And he's talking about how really Bezos kind of worked as a facilitator, right? And of course, brilliant guy coming up with ideas on his own for sure too. But how do I just facilitate great ideas and, and make sure the best ideas rise to the top and then we execute on that and how my people get unstuck and things like that. But more facilitator is kind of how he operated, which, which is super interesting. But, uh, but what about what about you, man? I, I, and this is kind of fun because it's like joint podcast, right? So we get to fire questions off. Of yes. How has your role and how has your perspective shifted in, in recent years? Well, I think the thing that has shifted the most for me has been a shift towards the things that I'm really good at and just yeah. trying to like get get myself into the two things that I'm good at. One, which is 
content, creating content. And then the other side of that is coaching. Hmm. So I, there are a few things that, there are a few things that are, are really easy for some people. You know, everyone's got something that's really easy for them and hard for other people. For me, like the coaching and being in like a, like being in a workshop or a mastermind and helping people out, that actually gives me energy. Yeah, I will like, I'm really good at it. I could do that all the time. And so it's trying to figure out how to put me in a position to be able to be more effective in that space and help the team be effective in their roles that allow me to be in that role. Because that's, that's where we're at right now. Like if I'm doing more content and do more coaching, we continue to grow. And the rest of the stuff, it's incredible because I'm trying to attract really the best people that I can yeah. to be able to do those things. And I'm, I'm always thinking about like seats. I think that's one of the, there are things about the traction EOS method that yep. I like and things yep. that I don't like. Right. But one of the things I really like is the seats, getting people in the right seats and thinking about that all the time and trying to recognize that your business has like seats and don't try to create seats for people. Yeah. But try to put people in the seats and try to find the right people for the seats that you have. That's really interesting to to me. And then the other the other thing that I've realized over the last couple of years is one of the most valuable things that I can do is go and talk to other founders and come up with ideas that way and spend more time, whether it's in my mastermind group or whether it's going I went on a six day backpacking trip with, with other founders. Um, uh, most of them, yeah, were it wasn't a specifically like founder only, but yeah. almost everybody there ran a business. And I came back and I was like, man, I feel like so clear about where we need to go. Mm. Were you were you completely off the grid or did you were you still checking in and stuff like that? Completely off the grid. Dang. It was the first night, it was four degrees with wind chill. <laughs> It was very cold. Wow. It was very cold. You have to have the right gear for that. Yeah, I definitely had a summer sleeping pad. So I was <laughs> wrapped in an emergency blanket for the first night. It, I got warmer after that the first, but it was it was definitely, I'll look back on that night. It was like, oh man, that was, that's what I remember about the trip for sure. Cold. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, like that, those are the types of things I've been thinking about is like, how do I put myself in a position where I can show up more as myself to attract people who want to be in our company who are on have the same like vibe message goals and aligning those is is really really the thing that's exciting to me yeah yeah i, I love it man and when and when you're doing that when you're when you're executing and doing the things that you're best at it, it, everything just goes better, right? And then you need to kind of create this environment where that's the expectation and other people do the same thing. And so it's, it's really cool, man. Really cool to, to hear for sure. It's fun. And it also makes, I think the thing I've been thinking about more and more is like, I mean, it's a long game, right? Yeah. So you don't want to burn out and you don't want to, how long have you been running OMG Commerce? Uh, since 2010. So yeah, like 11 years. Yeah, it's crazy. 11 years. And, th and things have pivoted and changed so dramatically. We were doing local marketing in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, and then pivoted all to e-commerce. So yeah, a lot has changed in those eleven years. Though, where has like the last three years? 
how different were the last three years and the first three years as far as like growth, revenue, profits? Oh yeah, the last three years have just been. It's insane. all compounded. It's all comp exactly. It's compounded. Yeah, we've made the Inc. Five Thousand list now three years in a row, and 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 have been growing on that list and and stuff. And yeah, it's definitely compounded. But you know, a lot of the decisions and the learnings and the disciplines of those early years, you know, helped. Uh, you know, create that compounding. So, oh no, for sure, it's all. I mean, that that's what it is. That's what you had to put in the time at the beginning and like be able to have, be able to continue to stay in the game long enough so that right. you can get those compound returns that come later. Yeah, yeah, and they come from you know the reason that you can hop on, you can promote a YouTube event, and you have everybody promoting it yeah. in our industry is because of ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Of you being out there, going to events, talking to people, yep. people know you, all those different things. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's interesting to me. It's awesome. But, Brett, this has been freaking good, man. I like good, it. Dude. It's fun catching up. We talked privacy. We talked creative. We talked <laughs> subscription. We talked what we're excited. This is good stuff, dude. We could, we could keep going. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> well, let's do a little promo. So if you're listening on my podcast, Brett, why don't you tell them about your podcast? Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah, so uh, e-commerce evolution is my podcast, and and I really started it one because I enjoy being on podcasts. So I thought, well, the easiest way to consistently be on a podcast is to host one, and I like meeting people, and it really gives us an excuse. I mean, guys like you, Austin, where it's kind of hard for us to schedule an hour to sit down and, and just chat for no reason. But if we we're on a podcast, you know, so I, I learn so much from the podcast. I connect with awesome people. But the e-commerce evolution, what's new, what's next in e-commerce? We talk traffic, we talk conversion rate optimization. It's all interview based. And so, yeah, if you're not a listener and not a subscriber, what are you doing? You got to check it out. Go check it out. Go check it out. Go yeah. check it out for sure. And then for my podcast, yeah, let's let's hear about. Yeah, if you're listening, if you're listening to this on Brett's podcast, uh, my podcast is called E-commerce Influence. We just hit our one of the first e-commerce podcast, correct? I mean, it was maybe like yes. you and one other, right? Yeah, I think it was me and you, Darian. I think so. I think so. And like maybe a uh, maybe Steve, but uh, yeah, we hit over three hundred episodes, uh, and we really focus on how do you build wealth and how do you live a fulfilling life while running a. Uh, an e-commerce business. We, we have interviews that talk about random stuff, how to grow your business. Um, and that's been my focus is exploring different paths to those things recently. Yeah. Um, so check it out, ecommerceinfluence.com. And yeah, Brett, thanks, man. This was really fun. Uh, we will talk soon here. Thanks, dude. You're a true OG. Thank you. Appreciate you. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right 
for you. And now back to the show.